Welcome to the Arlington Street Church podcast. Boston Sanctuary since 1729, Arlington Street continues today as a gathering place for progressive people of faith in the Boston metropolitan area and beyond. Please visit ASCBoston.org for more information about this historic Unitarian Universalist congregation. We're located at the corner of Arlington and Boylston Streets in downtown Boston, Massachusetts. Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace. I become a transparent eyeball. I am nothing. I see all. The currents of the universal being circulate through me. I am part or particle of God. These are my favorite lines from the central text of American transcendentalism, Ralph Waldo Emerson's Nature. Transparency, surrender, transcendence, mystical union, This is a universal experience recorded in every religious tradition known to humankind. This morning, I invite you to join me in engaging the possibilities of being an everyday mystic, becoming a transparent eyeball. The psalmist wrote, open mine eyes that I may see glimpses of truth thou hast for me. Open mine eyes. Illumine me, spirit divine. In 1803, Emerson, called Waldo, was born out of a long line of Unitarian ministers. In 1829, he was ordained to the ministry at Second Church in Boston, but three years later, he resigned. Troubled by the doctrine of the Lord's Supper and feeling that he could no longer perform the ritual of communion, which had become meaningless to him. Waldo Emerson and his family moved to Concord, where he undertook a long and successful career as an essayist and lecturer. By the early 1840s, 1840s, sorry, an extraordinary group had gathered around him, the Transcendentalists. Transcendentalism is a philosophical, religious, and literary movement that drew from Platonic, Christian, Stoic, Hindu, and German idealist thought, probably more complicated than a sermon's worth of explanation. Um, But here is his succinct description. Transcendentalism, he said, is idealism. As thinkers, he wrote, people have ever divided into two sects, materialists and idealists. The materialists founded on experience, the idealists on consciousness. The materialists insisting on facts, on history, on the force of circumstances, the idealists on the power of thought or will or inspiration or miracle and individual culture. Interestingly, Emerson offended Orthodox Unitarians by locating religious authority not in the Bible or in Jesus, but in our own religious nature. Our own religious nature. The Transcendentalists celebrated the ways in which we are, all of us, 
mystics. On June 6, 1841, Waldo's friend, Henry David Thoreau, whom he called the Good River God, introduced him to the riches of his shadowy and moonlit stream, a lovely new world. In his journal, Waldo writes that he found himself out of all time, all science, all history. What he discovers in the river is this enchanted liquid painted with all reds and purples and yellows which glows under and behind you. We penetrate bodily this incredible beauty, he continues. We dip our hands in this painted element. Our eyes are bathed in these lights and forms. He feels almost as if he's a trespasser, intruding into a sacred realm. Mystical communion comes unexpectedly, amazing, and is very much available to us. Lost in nature, music, art, love. Hyper-focused or daydreaming, these are the times when we become permeable to the world and know ourselves as both great and small, lost and found. Again, so transported, Emerson wrote, I become a transparent eyeball. I am nothing, I see all. The currents of the universal being circulate through me. I am part or particle of God. He stresses that we can't force the mystical experience. We can seek, but we may and may not find. It's a gift. To receive this gift and all its bounty, we ready ourselves with the spiritual practice of attention and devotion. We make ourselves available to the mystical, to the mystery, and enter in. My friend and colleague, Reverend Dr. Rebecca Parker, tells this story. I grew up in a small corner of southwest Washington at the southern edge of the rainforest of the Olympic National Park. It's so rainy there that when I was a child, I believed summer was a one-day-a-year holiday like Christmas. <laughs> we had 160 inches of rain a year. That's over 13 feet of rain annually. And our whole world was wrapped in mist and moisture and gray skies. As teenagers, my two brothers and I used to go hiking by ourselves. All of our gear was makeshift. My very first backpack was something my father had constructed out of two halves of an old broomstick and a Girl Scout cookie box. One of our most memorable trips, she continued, took us up to the high country of the Cascades to a place we'd never been, Spray Park Meadows, a high alpine meadow on the shoulders of Mount Rainier. We began our hike at Mowich Lake under the protection of the tall forest. And like almost every hike we ever went on, this hike began in the rain. 
We hiked through the quiet, soft, drizzling rain for the first three quarters of the day, and toward late afternoon, we found we were no longer hiking in the rain. We had actually walked right into a cloud. By the time we ascended through the forest up to the edges of the alpine meadow, the cloud encompassed us so thickly that we could only see the muddy trail ahead of us by staring straight down at our feet. My brother Howard unfolded the geographical survey map, studied it, and pronounced, Mount Rainier must be around here somewhere. <laughs> we gathered around and stared at the compass. The arrow wavered unsteadily to the north. Howard traced our route. Here's where we came, and here's where we must be right now, which means Mount Rainier must be right there. Now, this really happened. We all turned our heads and looked into the pea soup fog, and just as we turned, the fog opened like two opaque sliding glass doors pulling away from each other. And Mount Rainier was there, filling up the entire sky. It was just, just that moment of twilight when the sun was sinking over the Pacific Ocean and the last long gleams of light were skimming across the snow-crested peaks of the Olympics. The upper edges of Mount Rainier were outlined with glints of gold, and the crevasses and valleys were deepening from magenta into purple into midnight blue. Behind the mountain, the sky was turning into that shade of evening blue that cannot be named. The first stars were blinking forth. The hair on the back of my neck stood up. We held perfectly still, transfixed by this stunning beauty. And then the fog rolled back in on itself. The opaque sliding glass doors closed. We were wrapped once more in a fine mist and couldn't see beyond our toes. This story is from a longer piece by Rebecca Parker entitled something more deeply interfused. She is quoting from William Wordsworth's lines composed a few miles above Tintern Alley. And I have felt a presence that disturbs me with the joy of elevated thoughts, a sense sublime of something far more deeply interfused, whose dwelling is the light of setting suns and the round ocean and the living air and the blue sky and in the mind of man. A motion and a spirit that impels all thinking things, all objects of all thought, and rolls through all things. Nearly 40 years after Wordsworth was sensing something far more deeply interfused, Waldo Emerson was becoming a transparent eyeball, filled with the currents of universal being. And then, over 170 years after Emerson, Dr. Alan Kemp roused me from a deep sleep to watch TV specifically to watch myself on TV, and more specifically, 
to have a look at the star of the show beamed on the screen, much larger than life, my colon. Gazing through the drug-induced haze at the image of the shining pink handiwork of the unseen hand, the words of the psalmist came to my lips, I kid you not, Psalm 139, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. With all due respect to Katie Couric, I am the only person I have ever met who had a mystical experience during her colonoscopy. <laughs> you just never know when and where those doors of perception will slide open. Pay attention. Beloved spiritual companions, the summer solstice is upon us and the earth is green and growing. May we enter into these long days awake to ourselves as everyday mystics, attuned to the possibilities of magic everywhere, making ourselves available to the mystery. Even when the world is wrapped in mist and moisture and gray skies, the sun is setting or rising behind a magnificent mountain. May we ready ourselves with the spiritual practice of attention and devotion. Seek and find and enter in. Let us open our eyes and become the transparent I. Spirit divine.